this morning. That was a word from the Holy Spirit to you, to someone, probably more to more than one person in this service this morning. But the Lord wants you to know how much He cares for you, how much He wants to minister to you and to your life today. Do you believe that? Amen. And uh, through that word, he's just encouraging you today. Don't, don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Don't lose faith. But continue to trust in him and understand how much he loves his people today. He loves us today. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Sister Mary, for obeying the Lord this morning. Amen. Well... I'm going to invite you today to open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Mark. And um, I'm going to minister from this ninth chapter, ninth chapter again. And we're going to, this morning, finish up preaching from this ninth chapter of Mark. And I, I'm still praying about the services the next There's five Sundays in December, so the next four weeks um, leading up to Christmas. And then the fifth Sunday will be Communion Sunday, the Sunday after our Christmas service and Christmas uh, celebration. So I'm praying about those services, and we're going to be probably changing gears and focusing on the birth of Jesus for the next few weeks. And uh, in prayer this week, seeking the Lord about the message this morning. And always, you know, I always want the mind of the Holy Spirit, of what the Holy Spirit wants for that particular service. You know, the Lord laid it upon my heart and spoke to me some months back to preach um, through the gospel of Mark, to preach the life of Christ and the miracles of Christ and the teachings of Christ that are in the Gospel of Mark. So we've been doing that for quite some months now. We've taken some breaks for special days and different things and preached. I always, even though we're preaching a series through a Gospel, I'm always open to the Holy Spirit to do what He wants me to do. And so we'll be going into some Christmas, um, Christmas theme. Uh, the birth of Christ theme, the mission of Christ, the advent of Christ, starting next week as the Lord leads and directs. But in praying about this service, um, the Holy Spirit directed me to stay here in Mark chapter 9 for this morning. Now it's been kind of quiet today. It's been kind of laid back and reserved. But there's a sweet spirit of the, of the Lord that's hovering here over this congregation. And so as I minister the Word of God on the subject matter the Lord has laid upon my heart, this may be more of a Bible study than a message, uh, than a preaching type message like last. I may not probably, probably won't be running the aisles today like I did last week, okay? Probably not. Um, but you never know, but probably not. But um, what I'm going to talk to you about this morning from Mark chapter 9 is very, uh, a very somber message and a very serious message, and I think it's something that we need to hear today. So if you're there in Mark 9, 
I'm going to begin reading with verse 43. Is everybody there? Mark 9, they'll probably got it to put up on the screen. I'm reading from the King James this morning. Mark chapter 9 and verse 43. If you have a red letter edition, these words are in red. So they uh, are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 43, Jesus said this, And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It's better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet and be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out. For it's better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. There are some places in this world that I would like to go to that I have not been to, that I would like to go. One place I would like to go that's on my bucket list, I don't know if I'll ever get to go there or not, would be be to visit Israel, to go to the land of Israel and to see where Jesus walked and where He taught and where He ministered and to um, just see the places that I've read and studied about in the Word of God. I've often said, too, there's one place I'd like to go before, before I die. don't know if I ever will, but I'd like to see a Cubs-Cardinals game at Wrigley Field sometime. I'd like to go there. There's other places on this earth that I have no desire to go to, no desire to visit, no desire to be at. I don't think I would ever really have any desire to go to Baghdad or to go to Saudi Arabia or any of those places. But... Um, There are some places that I would like to go, but other places uh, I really don't care anything about. And I'm sure that you have a list of your own, everybody here this morning, of places that you would like to go to and like to visit. But there's one place that no one wants to go to, and that's the subject of the teaching that Jesus has given here in Mark, this ninth chapter of Mark. And the place where no one wants to go is a place that Jesus referenced here known as hell. It's a word that we don't like to hear. We don't even hear much of it anymore. And uh, very seldom is it heard in a church service. So let your children know that the preacher's not using profanity this morning when I use the word hell because hell is a place that Jesus is referring to here in the Word of God. 
It's a place where no one wants to go. But the Lord Jesus Christ here in our text has something to say and other places in the scripture as well has something to say about this place called hell. And what he has to say in this text and in the other portions of Scripture where he mentioned it is something that I believe that needs to be heard by everyone in this room today, by everyone in this church, in this congregation. Whether you're saved or whether you're unsaved, whether you are a born-again, blood-washed child of God or whether you're not, you need to hear, we need as a church to hear the message that Jesus has given us in the Word of God concerning this subject matter and this place called hell. Jesus wants us to know that hell is real. Jesus wants us to know that not only is hell real, but hell is terrible beyond all description and that no one, no one ever, ever, ever has to go to that place called hell. It is a place that is populated. It is a place that the Bible says that in one scripture that hell has enlarged itself because of so many occupants and so many people that are going to that place. But no one has to go there. Now, this message this morning is, um, as I said, it probably won't be an aisle-running message. It's not maybe a happy message. I would much rather, and you know my, you know my style if you've been around here very long, that I like to preach about joy and victory and power and healing and the anointing and the baptism in the Holy Ghost and all of those things. And I do preach those things but uh, this, this message that is missing from, that we're talking about this morning is a message that is missing from the majority of the pulpits in America today. And there is just very, very few. I heard someone mention, I don't even remember who it was, uh, in the not so distant past made the statement somewhere and said that it had been a long time since they had heard any message or any preaching or teaching or ministering on the subject of hell. And I thought about that and I thought that is true. You can, you can peruse the television, you can watch uh, gospel preachers on TV, you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to the radio, and uh, you very, very seldom will hear the subject matter that we're discussing here this morning. Some may not like this, some may say, well, you know, we don't want to hear anything about it, but uh, I believe that I have a mandate from the Lord Jesus Christ to teach and to preach to you the whole counsel of God. Can I get an amen? I really believe that the reason today that there is so much hell in the world is because there is so little hell preached from behind the sacred desk behind the pulpit. People have come to the place that they don't believe in it anymore. They don't want to hear about it. But I'm mandated, as I said, as a, as a pastor, as a preacher of the gospel, and so is every preacher, whether they will admit it or not. But we must, I must preach the whole entire counsel of God. I must preach the very same thing that Jesus preached as well. And Jesus, if you will study the, the Gospels, you'll find out that Jesus had more to say about hell than anyone else did. As a matter of fact, 
uh, Jesus said more about hell than he did about heaven. Now, I know there's, that's been disputed, but that is true. He said more about hell than he did about heaven. And the preacher today who, who will stand behind a sacred desk and will stand before a congregation and preached on hell, of course, is accused, and I probably will be as well, but, you know, we just got to let the chips fall where they may. Can I get an amen? The preacher who does preach on this subject matter of hell is accused of being uh, cruel, of being unloving, of being uncompassionate, of not caring about people. Uh, you shouldn't, Brother Rick, you shouldn't preach on things because uh, such as this nature because it has a tendency to scare people. But I'm going to tell you something this morning, ladies and gentlemen, that the, the preacher or the pastor uh, that, that will not preach on this subject is the cruelest and the most unloving person in your life. The person, the preacher that will not warn you about the future and will not warn people about what the Bible says to, about hell is not a preacher that loves your soul. Amen? See, the idea, the very thought, the very idea of hell is being ridiculed today in the day and the hour in which we live. There are so many that try to eliminate the idea of hell totally and completely. The Jehovah Witnesses, for one, do not believe that there is a place called hell. Some believe that um, that at death that there's just a, that 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 man is just annihilated. You know, there are those that believe that that those who die and go to hell are only there for just a short period of time and that they burn up and uh, that they're annihilated there, but that's not what the Bible teaches. There are those that believe that, that mankind, when a man dies, he just dies, he's just like a dog or a cow or a cat or any other animal, that uh, when he dies, he just doesn't exist anymore, he just ceases to exist. But can I tell you something today, ladies and gentlemen, that you are created in the image and the likeness of God, and that you have an eternal soul and an eternal spirit. And can I tell you today that one trillion years from this day, that everyone in this room will be alive and will be in a conscious state, either in heaven or on the new earth or in that place called hell. There is no in-between, there is no limbo, there is no purgatory. The Bible teaches nothing of that matter. There are only two places that you you and I have as our destination for eternity and that is either to be in heaven or hell. There is no annihilation. There is no going out of existence. But uh, there is the fact that we will live on eternally forever and forever. That's why I'm here today, um, uh, you know, because of Jesus Christ. That's why I'm glad today for the blood of Jesus. That's why I'm glad for the cross of Christ. Amen. There are the universalists that we have today. You know, there are a lot of people that, uh, that are in this camp of universalism. 
that uh, preach and teach and say that eventually everybody's going to be saved and, and that God is just going to say, well, you know, okay, that's all right. I've, just, I've had a change of mind. I've had a change of heart. I'm just going to overlook everybody's sin and everybody's going to get to go to heaven and nobody's going to hell. And you'd be surprised at the number of people that believe that teaching today. Do you know that I was shocked to find out that that 69% of church-going people, I didn't say Christians, but I said 69% of church-going people actually believe this universalist type of doctrine, that everybody's going to hell. I know there's people in this church that believe that, I'm sorry, that everybody's going to heaven. And I know there's people in this church that believe that everybody, no matter how they live or what they do or what kind of sin they're involved in that they're going to heaven. I, I, I see it on their Facebook pages sometimes. Sometimes I, I tell my wife sometimes I, I need to get off Facebook. I need to get off of that. It, sometimes it bothers me. But I see you know when someone that is of prominence or famous in the world that dies no matter how vile of a life they have lived. No matter how ungodly of a lifestyle they have lived. And I see Christians or church-going people post on their, on their Facebook page, so-and-so rest in peace. Can I tell you if they did not know the Lord Jesus Christ, they are not resting in peace. Are you listening to me today? Hallelujah. I, 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 uh, I, I know that there's a lot of people that just, it seems like they believe that it doesn't matter what you do, that God is just going to have a change of heart and he's going to let everybody go into heaven. And Rob Bell and Carlton Pearson and so many others have, have adopted this type of teaching and even the, the hyper grace movement has, is going toward this type of teaching that once a person has been saved you can never get out of grace and no matter how you live or what you do or what kind of sin you're involved in God's just going to throw open the gates of heaven when they die and everybody's going to live eternally with the Lord in heavenly bliss ladies and gentlemen I have to tell you today that that universalism teaching is false doctrine it is not true I wish I could say everybody's going to heaven but Jesus did not teach that. The Bible does not teach that. And we have to go for uh, with what the Word of God teaches. Can you say amen today? You may be headed today to that place in which no one wants to go, but it's my job, it's my duty, it's my mandate as your pastor to tell you that you do not have to go there. I said you do not have to go there. Hallelujah. That's something believers need to know today. You need to know. Like I said, if you're saved, you need to know about this place called hell. We need to be educated on this subject because there are many people this morning, my friend, many people that attend churches every Sunday that think they're all right, that mark that attendance off their checklist on Sunday and think, that they're going to heaven are not going to make it because they have not been born again by the Spirit of God. Attending church does not make you a Christian. Only the blood of Jesus can make you a Christian. Amen? Now hell, number one, is an actual place. 
It is a real place. Hell is a reality. A survey, and this was shocking as well, to find that there was a survey that was taken of different denominations. And 35%, the survey revealed that 35% of Baptists do not believe in a literal hell. 54% of Presbyterians do not believe in a place called hell. 58% of Methodists in the day we're living in today do not believe that there is a literal hell and 60% of Episcopalians do not believe that there's a literal hell. I tried to find the statistics on Pentecostals because there are quite a few Pentecostals and full gospel people that don't believe that hell is real either. You can believe what you want to, but can I tell you we better believe what the Word of God has to say about the subject and let God be true and every man a liar because hell is a reality. But I want us to look for a moment. We've established the fact that hell is real. You believe that, amen? But I want us to look to there for a minute. As I said, this is more of a Bible study than it is a preaching message, but I want us to look at the residents of hell. Who's there? Who goes to hell? Who is in this place called hell? Jesus tells us in Matthew 25 and 41... And uh, let me just read that to you. I'm going to take my time this morning. But in Matthew 25 and 41, Jesus said that then, says, then shall he, speaking of the Lord Jesus, shall say to them on his left hand, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire. Notice this, prepared for the devil and his angels. So Jesus tells us here why there is even a place called hell. Why is there a place of literal fire and brimstone? It was originally created by God. It's a creation of God. And it was created by God for the incarceration of Satan and his fallen angels. We know that at one point in the dateless past that Lucifer was an anointed cherub of God. And he rebelled against God, tried to overthrow God, and was cast down. And in his rebellion, he deceived a third of the angelic host. And those, a third of those angels fell with Lucifer and followed him in that rebellion. It was for their, for their sake that, that hell was created to be that place where Satan and those angels are placed throughout eternity to be punished from the presence of the Lord. But because of man's fall and because of us following, of mankind following Satan and following the ways of Satan, that also became the place of punishment for fallen man. If you want to join up with Satan's crowd and follow Satan, then that's where you're going to wind up is where Satan and his fallen angels wind up. And the Bible is very clear throughout the scriptures who is going to be in hell. 
The Bible tells us, as I've just mentioned, that Satan will be there. Revelation 20 and 10 talks about how that Satan, at the end of the millennial reign, that Satan will be cast into the lake of fire. I've said it many times. Anytime Satan reminds you of your past, you just need to... Remind him of his future. Turn over to Revelation 20 and 10 and read that verse to him. But Satan himself, Lucifer, will be in hell. The Bible also tells us in the verse that I just read that fallen angels will be there. Those that followed Lucifer in his rebellion will also be incarcerated in hell forever. And also the Bible reveals that every foul, unclean demon spirit will be in hell as well. Those are some of the residents of hell, but not only those fallen angels, not only Satan, not only those foul, unclean spirits, but the Bible also tells us that wicked, ungodly people will also be in hell. The the Bible tells us that hell will be a place of vile association. In uh, Psalm 9 and 17, it says that the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. Can I tell you something this morning, church, that this nation is on that precipice right now. America is is on that precipice of being listed with those nations who will be turned into hell. But every wicked person, every unsaved person, every unclean person that has not made Jesus their Lord and Savior will be incarcerated in hell. Revelation 21 and 8 says this, says, but the fearful and the unbelieving, the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars. This is a list that's given by the word of God telling us who's going to be in that place called hell. All liars shall have their part in the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Those who have never received the Lord Jesus are in that. But notice notice the residents of hell. All of those who are abominable or who do abominations, murderers, whoremongers, that's the sexually immoral. That includes those who are living in fornication and adultery and having sex outside of marriage. You just well say, man, I've already had some folks left on me, but we'll just keep on, okay? But, but, but that includes those who are living unclean lifestyles that are having sex outside of marriage. Sorcerers includes witchcraft, includes also that word sorcery is the word where we get the, uh, the, the Greek word where we get the word, it's pharmacia, where we get the word for pharmacy. So it also includes drug use and drug addiction, idolaters and liars. All of these are going to be, make up the list of those who are in hell. But I know there's church people that say, well, I'm not any any of those. I'm not a murderer. I'm not committing adultery. I'm not a sorcerer. I'm, I'm, I'm not any of those. But can I tell you, the beginning of that list says that it's the fearful and the unbelieving. The fearful and the unbelieving. The unbelieving are those that refuse to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. Those who have never accepted Christ think that hell is only for the 
the drunkard or only for the thief or only for the murderer or the rapist, but it's not for them. But can I tell you something? It matters not how good of a moral life a person may live if they have not been born again. Jesus said to Nicodemus, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. If you are not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You can be a good person morally. You can be a church-going person. But if you have never repented of your sin and asked Jesus to forgive you and been born again, you will not make heaven your home. I'm not going to ask anybody to say amen, but it's... Thank you, Brother Jim. But this is the thing that is not being taught people today. People are being taught that they can just be saved by osmosis. Just by association. If we can just get you to come to church, you can hang around Christians long enough, you'll eventually start acting like them. That's not what salvation is. That's not what it is. The popular messages today, if you'll watch many of the modern television preachers, the popular messages today don't even go near this subject, but it's how you can be wealthy, how you can get a, a lot of money, how you can live in a mansion, how you can drive, uh, you know, a Mercedes Benz, how that God is a Jesus is some kind of spiritual Santa Claus that'll just give you everything that you want, amen, that He's at your beck and call. But nobody ever tells them that you need to repent, that you need to live right, that you need to be born again. That's the fearful and the unbelieving, those that are ashamed to get up and walk an aisle and come down to uh, and, and, and an old-fashioned altar or kneel somewhere and ask Jesus to come into their heart that are ashamed to make a public profession, the fearful, the unbelieving, they must have be Jesus in their heart and in their life. If you've never bowed before the cross of Christ and repented of your sin and make Jesus the Lord of your life, you are listed in this group. You head the list of Revelation 21 and 8. So hell's residence, it's a place of vile company and vile associations, and I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there, and you don't want to go there. It's an actual place, but secondly, hell is an awful place. It's an awful place. Jesus uses very graphic language to describe the horrors of hell in this passage of Scripture that I've read to you from Mark chapter 9. He says that it's a place of fire, it's a place of eternal fire. But we know also from the Scripture that hell is awful because it is a place of separation. See, the condition of every person that is not saved is that individual is in spiritual death. Separated from God. You know, I hate to bust anybody's bubble, but everybody or every person is not a child of God. God is not the father of everybody. I know that's, you know, being promoted. Well, God's 
the, everybody's father and he loves us and we're all a part of the family of God. But that's not taught in the Bible. The Bible teaches us in the book of Ephesians and other places. But in Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible teaches us and tells us that, that, that spiritual death is separation from God. That everyone is born a sinner and born in trespasses, dead in trespasses and sin. So spiritual death is a separation. That's why there has to be a new birth. But there's also the second death that's coming. And, and uh, that second death is being put into hell, into the lake of fire. And in hell, there's a separation uh, that, is, that is made very clear in the Word of God. There will be an eternal separation for, from those who go to hell, separated from God's grace, separated from God's presence, separated from the glory and the hope of ever being forgiven. And the separation that takes place when an individual dies without God and goes to hell is awful beyond description. The Bible tells us, Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, he said that Jesus is coming in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that do not know God and that do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished, he said, with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. Notice that. From the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. See, to be separated from all that is good, to be separated for all eternity with no hope of escape is too terrible for us to even imagine. For our children to be separated from parents and, and, and husbands from wives and moms from dads and all of that, to be separated eternally. There's no hope ever after that separation of ever getting out of that place called hell. Yet that is the fate of every lost sinner, of everyone who dies without knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's some very chilling words that Jesus gives in the seventh chapter of the book of Matthew. And uh, you all are familiar with them, but Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, He said that uh, in that day, when we stand before Him, that He said there would be many in that day that would say to me, Lord, Lord, have we, calling Him Lord, have we not prophesied in Your name? Have we not prayed for the sick in Your name? Have we not done many wonderful works in Your name? And Jesus will proclaim to them and say this, the most chilling words that were ever recorded in the Bible when Jesus says to those individuals who are saying, Lord, we preached for you. We talked about you. We went to church. We did great things for you. But yet Jesus ignores everything they say and, say, and he says to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. That is the most chilling thing that I can imagine. I 
never want to stand before the Lord. I have him to say to me, depart from me. But many will hear those words. Many who thought they were okay. Many who thought they could get by will hear Jesus say those words because hell is a place of eternal separation. Separation from God. Separation from love. Separation from the presence of God. Every single one, the Bible says, whose names are not found written in the book of life will be cast into that lake of fire. We better make sure, saints of God, we better make sure, ladies and gentlemen, that our names have been recorded in the book of life and the only way it can be is through you knowing him, Jesus Christ, as your personal Lord and Savior. The only way, the only way. Hell is awful because of its duration. Many believe that those that are thrown into hell will burn up quickly, as I said, and be gone. But that's not what Jesus taught, and that's not what the Bible teaches. Hell is a place that is eternal. I read to you in our text, Jesus said, It's fire that shall never be quenched. Two other places, Matthew 18, Matthew 25, Jesus referred to the fire of hell as being everlasting fire. Second Thessalonians, as I read to you a while ago, 1 and 9 says that it's everlasting destruction. Revelation 14 and 11 said that it's torment forever and ever. Not just forever, but forever and ever. There's never any end to that. Can I tell you that eternity is a very long, long time. And you want to make sure that you spend it. I want to make sure that I spend that eternity in the right place. Someone gave a little illustration some years ago. I thought of this morning of uh, trying to illustrate eternity and said, imagine a bird taking one grain of sand off of the off of the seashore of the ocean, one grain of sand and flying to the moon and depositing that grain, then flying back from the moon and picking up one more grain, flying back to the moon and depositing there and doing that over and over until all the sand on all the beaches of all the oceans was moved from this earth to the moon at that rate. And then, then eternity had only just begun. See, it's, it's, it's forever. It's hard for us to fathom that. We're going to live, those who are saved and redeemed are going to live forever with Jesus, forever in bliss. But those who do not know the Lord are going to spend an eternity separated for God and in a place that's eternal punishment and eternal fire. I heard a preacher a number of years ago on a podcast, a church in Springfield, Missouri, that is a Pentecostal, and I'll just tell you, it was an Assembly of God church that a preacher preached on the subject of hell. He began his message by playing the ACDC song, Highway to Hell, which that ought to give you some clue of what kind of church it was. But then he went on to preach about hell, but when he got to the part of the fire and he got to the part of the flames, he said, really, those, 
the fire of hell isn't literal. It's just symbolic. It's just symbolism of, of being tormented and being banished from the presence of God. Let me tell you something, my friend, this morning, that is a lie. Jesus never ever insinuated, the Bible never gives any, any thought or any hint to the fact that the fires of hell are symbolic, are not real. They are literal, they are real, they are unquenchable, they are everlasting, and you don't want to go there, and I don't want to go there, and Jesus does not want you to go there. Was it prepared for you? I've got to close. I see I've got everybody really turned on this morning. Look at what the Bible says about hell. Unquenchable fire, which is literal. The Bible talks about there being memory and remorse in hell. Jesus said it's where the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. I heard, heard one preacher preaching on it said in hell there'll be worms and maggots crawling all over you. And I don't think that's what Jesus was talking about. But the worm that he was referring to that will not die refers to the soul of man. It's that soul of that individual that's made up eternally of the mind, the will, and the emotions. The worm that he's referring to that will not die is the conscience and the memory that will gnaw at that person throughout eternity. See, a person that misses heaven and that goes to hell will remember their life on the earth. If, you, if you'll recall the story that Jesus gave of the rich man and Lazarus that died, the poor beggar Lazarus died, laid at the gate of the rich man every day and begged crumbs from the rich man's table. And both of these men died. Lazarus died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom, which was the paradise of God. But the rich man died, and the Bible said that he lifted up his eyes immediately in hell. Some people said, what happens right at death? And Jesus explained that in, in Luke chapter 16. As soon as the poor beggar died because he trusted in the Lord and because he was saved, not because he was poor, because he was saved. He was carried into paradise. But that rich man, not because he was rich, but because he didn't know the Lord, because he wasn't saved. Immediately upon death, he lifted up his eyes and he was immediately in the flames of hell. He saw over in the paradise compartment and he saw Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham. And he cried out because there's extreme thirst in hell because of the fire. There is no, there is no water there. And he cried out and asked that Abraham would just allow uh, this poor beggar to come. Let Lazarus come. Just have him to dip the tip of his finger in water and place it on my tongue because I am tormented in this flame. And 
Abraham said something to, to the rich man. He said, son, you remember that in your lifetime you had everything good and Lazarus had everything bad, but now the roles are reversed and he is comforted here in paradise, but you are tormented. He said, son, remember, you remember. He remembered his life on earth. He remembered that he had five brothers that were unsaved and he even prayed and said, Abraham, send Lazarus back to my brothers to be a witness to them. I don't want them to come here. I don't want them to come to this place of torment. Send him to warn them. And they said, and and Abraham said, they have Moses, they have the prophets, they have the scriptures. They need to believe what the Bible says. And he said, oh no, they won't believe that. But if you would send somebody back from the dead, they would believe. I know people say, agnostics and atheists say, if I could see a miracle, I'd believe. But Abraham nailed that down and he said to the rich man, if they will not believe the scriptures, if they will not believe the Bible, then they will not believe even though one were raised from the dead. He had remorse. He had remembrance. He remembered his life on earth. The worm does not die. The conscience is always awakened. The Bible said there will be, Jesus said, wailing and gnashing of teeth, remorse throughout eternity. Why did I come to this place? Why did I not give my life to Jesus? Why did I think that I could play with sin in the world? Every message, every altar call will be remembered by those in hell. I'm not, I'm not one to scare people. And I'm not trying to scare anybody. And if you're truly born again, this won't scare you. If you're scared today at this thought of an eternity and a lake of fire, then it's a good chance you might need to come and pray. And I'm not one to scare people. I've heard the messages before in the past and preachers have preached the sermons that have talked about those who have left church services, got in their car and rejected the call of the gospel, rejected Jesus, were killed in a car wreck just minutes after leaving, going into eternity without God. I don't, I don't play on that stuff, but I, I, but, I, but I will say this. I will say this. Listen, are you listening to me? Everybody that is in hell rejected the gospel for the last time, one time at one point in their life. They had the opportunity to make things right with the Lord. But their worm now is eating at them. Their conscience is eating at them. It's intense suffering. Utter hopelessness to those who are eternally lost. The Bible says in Proverbs 11 and 7 that when a wicked man dies, his expectations shall perish and the hope of the unjust men will perish. Hopelessness is one of the most terrible things about being lost and going to hell. Hopelessness is the saddest word in the English language for a person to be a prisoner forever and forever and no hope of ever getting out, no hope of a reprieve, to think how sad that it will be 
for those who have rejected Jesus Christ to never be able to leave that place of torment throughout eternity. See, there are no second chances. No repentance after death. No chance of making it right after we die. This is it right here, ladies and gentlemen. And none of us know. See, none of us know how long we're going to live. The Bible tells us more than one place. Don't boast about tomorrow because you don't know. You don't know what a day is going to bring forth. My dad, at the age of, he was 58 years old, was fine, doing great. Uh, you know, worked out around the house uh, that day, not feeling bad, went to bed that night and did not wake up the next morning. No, no symptoms that he knew of at all. We don't have the promise. I maybe sound like uh, some Bible thumping hellfire brimstone preacher, but I'm telling you this morning that here at Abundant Life, I don't want anybody to go there. It's a time to make sure, examine our hearts. If we're going backwards instead of forwards in God, we need to wake up. Last of all, listen. Hell, it's an awful place. It's an actual place. But hell is an avoidable place. Thank God that nobody has to go there. There is a pathway of avoiding hell. Now you can say amen. See, I don't want to go there. God doesn't want you to go there. God's not pleased with anybody. He takes no pleasure, the Bible said, in the death of the wicked. And the Bible also tells us that, 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 that He's not willing, God's not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance. And God doesn't want anybody to be eternally lost. And so what has God done to give you the opportunity to avoid hell? God has placed roadblocks on the path, on your path to hell, on every person's path to hell, there is a roadblock that God has placed on the road to hell. And that roadblock that God has placed there is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe upon Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The cross stands as a roadblock on the road to hell. Hallelujah to the Lamb. If you go to hell, if you miss heaven, if you spend eternity in hell, you cannot blame God. You will have to cross, cross over the cross. You will have to trample the blood of Jesus under your feet. You'll have to reject every call of the Holy Spirit in your life. God is lifting up the blood-stained cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and he's saying to everyone, please, please, my son died for you, please, do not pass the cross. Do not go to hell. It's a place that nobody wants to go. Three times in the text, Jesus referred to entering into life. Who's the life? 
Who's the way? The truth and the life Jesus is. And in that text, he's referring to those entering into a relationship with himself. He said, it would be better for you. Listen, 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 listen. Listen. He used a, a, a symbolism of amputation. Jesus said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. What was he saying? He was not saying to literally cut off your hand and your foot or pluck out your eye. Because if you're a thief, you know, some of the Islamic countries do that. It does, it does detour stealing. But some of them do that. A thief caught, they cut his hand off. But he's still a thief because the sin's in the heart. You can pluck out the eye, cut off the hand, cut off the leg, cut off the foot. But the sin's still in the heart. It's the heart situation that has to be dealt with. Jesus wasn't talking about literally cutting off an appendage of your body. He wasn't saying to literally pull your eye out. But what Jesus was saying, that there is nothing, how horrible you would think about how horrible it would be to amputate your own hand. Jesus is saying that anything, listen to me saints, anything that would keep you out of heaven, anything that would cause you to sin, anything that would lead you to go to a devil's hell, he said nothing is worth going to hell for. If there's something in your life that you would know that would damn your soul, cut it off, get rid of it, get it out, quit doing it, Stop it! We need to understand that today that God's standard of living right is still the same today and people that are living in sin are not going to heaven. Cut it off. Stop it. He's saying that some radical steps need to be made to break, uh, to break all ties with that past life. He's saying, he's saying there, stop sinning. If it's a relationship that you're in, stop it. Stop it! I've got to close. I just heard a, a great pastor preach, preaching a message and told us, I mean, this is a large church where this man preaches. It's not just some little country church somewhere. But after the service one day, three young ladies came up to the altar area to talk to him about problems in their life. And the one young lady, first one said to him, I've got some, just, I can't, I don't have any peace. I've got troubles in my life. I need the Lord to help me. And he asked her, the pastor asked her, are you married? She said, no. Are you in a relationship? She said, yes, I am. His third question was one that needs to be asked. Are you two sleeping together? And she hung her head and said, yes, we are. You know what he said to her? That is sin. You need to cut it off. You need to stop it. That's not popular. 
Brother Rick, you'll never build a church preaching that. Well, be that as it may, I ain't changing preaching the gospel. Jesus said it'd be better to lose a hand or a foot and to enter into life maimed or lame or with one eye than to have everything and not cut it off and not stop the sinful lifestyle and wind up in hell where the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bow your heads with me. Listen to me. Two men were in an argument sitting in a restaurant in a heated argument. One man got so infuriated with the other, so angry that he put his finger in the face of that other man and he shook his finger and he said, you go to hell. There was a Christian that happened to be sitting at a table right nearby and overheard the conversation and he overheard the man because he said it very loudly, you go to hell. The Christian jumped up and went over there and he smiled at the man and he said to him, the one that had been told to go to hell, he said, listen. He said, I got good news for you. You don't have to go. He said, I've got an instruction book and I've read the instruction book and this instruction book tells you how you do not have to go to hell if you don't want to. Can I tell you something today that nobody has to go to hell. You don't have to go to hell. It's the place nobody wants to go. But millions upon millions are going there every day, every day, every day. At the tick of the clock, every second, somebody is going into eternity lost without God. But you don't have to go there. Nobody in this room has to go there because Jesus has paid the price on that old rugged cross and He shed His blood and He said, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And he that is a thirst, let him come. And whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. Oh, listen to me, believers. Listen to me, sinners. Listen to me, you who know God and who do not know God. There is a way, all of escape from that place called hell. If you're headed to that place, and I don't know people's hearts, but I do know this, that the Holy Spirit is moving right now. If you are headed to hell, then you need to come. The altar is open. If you're saved, but you're concerned about your walk with the Lord, then this altar is open. If you're saved, but yet you're burdened about loved ones and family members that are headed to hell, then this altar is open. You need to come and pray for them. And if you're here today and you're saved, and you just want to thank God that you don't have to go to hell because of the blood of Jesus Christ, then this altar is open this morning. And everybody in this church needs to be in this altar, whether it's repenting or giving thanks or interceding for someone that you know that is lost. You need to be.
in this altar. Would you stand?